Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the opinion syllabus from the Supreme Court of the United States in China Agritech v. Resch, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, argued March 26, 2018, decided June 11, 2018. American Pipe and Construction Corporation v. Utah established that the timely filing of a class action tolls the applicable statute of limitations for all persons encompassed by the class complaint, and that members of a class that fails to gain certification can timely intervene as individual plaintiffs in the still-pending action. Shorn of its class character, American Pipe's tolling rule also applies to punitive class members who after denial of class certification, prefer to bring an individual suit rather than intervene. See Crown Cork and Seal. The question presented in this case is whether American Pipe tolling applies not only to individual claims, but to successive class actions as well. This suit is the third class action brought on behalf of purchasers of petitioner China Agritech's common stock alleging materially identical violations of the Securities and Exchange Act of 1934. The Act has both a two-year statute of limitations and a five-year statute of repose, 28 U.S.C. 1658b. Here, the accrual date for the purposes of the Act's limitation period is February 3, 2011, and the repose period is November 12, 2009. Theodore Dean, a China Agritech shareholder, filed the first class action complaint on February 11, 2011, as required by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. His counsel posted notice of the action and invited any member of the purported class to move to serve as lead plaintiff. Six shareholders sought lead plaintiff status. On May 3, 2012, the district court denied class certification. The action settled in September of 2012, and the suit was dismissed. On October 4th, Dean's counsel filed a new complaint. Still timely with a new set of plaintiffs, eight shareholders sought lead plaintiff appointment in response to PSLRA notice. But the district court again denied class certification. Thereafter, the Smith plaintiff settled their individual claims and dismissed their suit. Respondent Michael Resch, who did not seek lead plaintiff statuses in the earlier actions, filed the present class action in 2014, a year and a half after the statute of limitations expired. The other respondents moved to intervene in the suit commenced by Resch, seeking lead plaintiff status. The district court dismissed the class complaint as untimely, holding that Dean and Smith actions did not toll the time to initiate class claims. The Ninth Circuit reversed, holding that the reasoning of American Pipe extends to successive claims. The Supreme Court held, reversed and remanded. Upon denial of class certification, a private class member may not, in lieu of promptly joining an existing suit or promptly filing an individual action, commence a class action anew beyond the time allowed by the applicable statute of limitations. American Pipe and Crown and Cork addressed only punitive class members 
who wish to sue individually after class certification denial. The efficiency and economy of litigation that support tolling of individual claims, American Pipe, do not support maintenance of untimely successive class actions, such as the one brought by Resch. The economy of litigation favors delaying individual class claims until after a class certification denial. With class claims, on the other hand, efficiency favors early assertion of competing class representative claims. If class treatment is appropriate, and all would-be representatives have come forward, the district court can select the best plaintiff with knowledge of the full array of potential class representatives and class counsel. And if the class mechanism is not a viable option, the decision denying certification will be made at the outset of the case, litigated once for all would-be class representatives. Federal Rule of Procedure 23 evinces a preference for preclusion ultimately successful successive class actions by instructing that class certification should be resolved early on. The PSLRA, which governs this litigation, evinces a similar preference, this time embodied in legislation providing for early notice and lead plaintiff procedures. There is little reason to allow plaintiffs who passed on opportunities to participate in the first and second round of class litigation to enter the fray several years after class proceedings first commenced. Class representatives who commence suit after the expiration of the limitation period are unlikely to qualify as diligent in asserting claims and pursuing relief. See McQuiggan v. Perkins. And... Respondents' proposed reading would allow extension of statute of limitations time and time again, as each class is denied certification. A new named plaintiff could file a class complaint that resuscitates the litigation. Endless tolling of a statute of limitations is not a result envisioned by American Pipe. If Resch's suit meets the requirements of Rule 23A and B, respondents assert the suit should be permitted to proceed as a class action in keeping with Shady Grove Orthopedic Associates versus Allstate Insurance Corporation. Shady Grove, however, addressed a case in which Rule 23 class action could have been maintained absent a state law prescribing class actions, while Resch's class action would be untimely unless saved by American Pipe's tolling exception. Rule 23 itself does not address the timeliness of claims or tolling, and nothing in the rule calls for the revival of class claims if individual claims are tolled. The clarification of American Pipe's reach does not run afoul of the Rules Enabling Act by abridging or modifying a substantive right. Plaintiffs have no substantive right to bring claims outside the statute of limitations, nor is the clarification likely to cause a substantial increase in the number of protective class action filings Several courts of appeals have already declined to read American Pipe to permit a successive class action filed outside the limitations period, and there is no showing that these circuits have experienced a disproportionate number of duplicative, protective class action filings. Multiple filings, moreover, could aid a district court in determining early on whether class treatment is warranted, and if so, who would be the best representative? The federal rules provide a range of mechanisms to aid district courts in overseeing complex litigation, 
but they offer no reason to permit plaintiffs to exhume failed class actions by filing new, untimely class claims. The decision is reversed and remanded. Justice Ginsburg delivered the opinion of the court in which Justice, Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Kennedy, Thomas, Breyer, Alito, Kagan, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Sotomayor filed a concurring opinion in the judgment. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to discuss any of the opinions, please find us on Facebook under the same group name and join the discussion group attached to the Facebook page. Thank you.